So I want to tell you, I have been, I've been all over the map. I've been preparing this message for a, over a week, and, but it was way too big. You know, it would be like 700 hours long, um, maybe 1,200. That's what Bill Johnson always says. His message is 1,200 hours long. And, but I'm just, you know, processing this season we're in. You know, we have Psalm 1, the blessing of those that are in God and not being swept away by the culture. And, and then Psalm 2, the warfare, why do the nations rage against God? And there's pretty clear answers on that. And then, you know, I love Psalm 36, which is a very a great pattern for warfare. It starts out, if it, um, I love it in the ESV, and I think in the New American Standard, it says that iniquity speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. And then it goes on, the first four verses describe the wicked, like why, why they are that way. And then there's these amazing verses that we were singing this morning, you know, with you is the fountain of light, in, you we see, in your light we see life. In your light we see light, with you is the fountain of life. And then the prayer on Psalm 36 is just at the end, there's one prayer, Oh, continue your loving kindness, <laughs> which means expand. We want more. We want more. That's the warfare, and that leads into Psalm 37, which expands on don't fret. When you see the wicked prosper, the, you know, God's, the meek will inherit the earth, you know. And so all of these play out, and so and, um, Romans 1, the entire Paul's entire letter to the Romans covers just about every topic in the universe, but the arguments are too long. You know, the first argument lasts eight chapters, so, you know, it's kind of hard to squeeze it all in. So, thank you, Lord. I, I was praying and said, God, I need this distilled down to something that's the size we can ingest. And so we, we have this reality. By the way, you should start the clock running, you know, Thank you. They're, probably, they're thinking, when's he going to start? I already did. Holy Spirit, come open our hearts and our minds. Open our, our, our spirits to what you're saying to the church in Jesus' name. And so, um, so God has it. <laughs> and uh, so here's the distillation that, we're, that we fight our fight standing in grace. We fight our fight standing in liberty. We fight our fight standing with our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And those shoes that the Roman soldiers wore or, or heavy-duty sandals had, had cleats on the bottom to keep them from getting pushed around in the mud. And so, so when we've done all, our warfare is to stand and believe and enjoy the greatness of this salvation and not neglect it, not get swept away by the culture. Now, I won't ask for a show of hands, but, you know, um, part of not getting swept away in the culture is that we, we spend time with God. And I hate to say that and people go, well, I don't know how, you know, so, <laughs> and so I don't want to make you feel guilty. I just want to encourage you that even every time you pick up the Bible and you read it with faith, and you say, Holy Spirit, open my eyes to the wonders in your words. That's from Psalm 119. 
He does. And do any of you spend more than a half hour a day on social media? You don't have to raise your hand because we don't want people to make judgments about that. But I suspect some of you do. Or you're, you're on your smartphone or your dumb phone. Um, <laughs> More than a half hour a day checking, like, did anybody message me? You know, like, do I have a WhatsApp? Do I have an email? Do I have a have a have a have a? And you're like, no, nothing's there. You know, you're kind of like that little part of your brain that gets its little bing. It's like, huh. And I'm telling you, if you took all that time, you would have plenty of time to spend with the Lord. And you could even just be still and know that I am God. That's a kind of warfare, just like God. Like, just ponder. You know, um, for many people, worship works as a, as a pathway into the presence of God and into that place, but we always want to come to a place where we feel like God is speaking with us. The reason I threw out the idea of a half hour is because a lot of times, you know, uh, in, like in China, underground church, Africa, out in the bush church, any of these places, if you go preach, they want you to preach for about three hours, you know, and they're like disappointed if, you know, if you, if you don't have several things because it's, it's of such value to them. But in America, you know, like over and over and over again in our culture, it's all, we kind of expect it like 20 25 minutes, if it's really good, maybe 45. And on those rare occasions that the Holy Ghost is poured out in fire, people will go an hour. But then the next week they think, well, we've had enough for, you know, we're gonna take the week off from church because that was too long last week. Seriously. So this makes us weak in our faith that we ingest the, you know, the world around us, but we're not feeding and feasting on God. So this is just a little fatherly exhortation. You know, be careful what you eat, right? you know, <laughs> what, what you consume in your mind, in your hearing. Be care- Jesus said, warned us, be careful how you hear, because if we keep hearing something over and over and over again, it'll begin to be real to us. And if that... If the light that's in us is darkness, how great is that darkness? So, okay. You're all good, right? Sanctify us, Holy Spirit. That, fortunately, that's what he does. You know, sanctify us, Holy Spirit. He leads us and guides us into all truth. And I love we're in the counting of the Omer, you know, the days up to the day 50, the, the Feast of Harvest, the day of Pentecost. And, uh, and it's just a great opportunity to be hungering and thirsting after God. Okay, so as this is the only review we'll get, um, a, a while back, and those of you who were here may remember, I was crying out and said, God, in the midst of everything that's going on, what are you saying? And I heard these words, awake, arise, count it all joy, no eye is seen, and the eyes of the Lord. And each one of those phrases, you know, blows up and opens up. And so we, uh, I spoke on waking up. Isaiah 51, 17, wake yourself, wake yourself, stand up, O Jerusalem. Arise is the next word, arise and shine, you know. Um, Isaiah 61, arise, 
shine for your light has come. The glory of the Lord's upon you. Behold, darkness will cover the earth. It's not a surprise. Thick darkness, the people. But the Lord will arise upon you. Like that God actually has this plan that there will be a sunrise in the midst of the gross darkness and, the, and his light will rise upon us. And that his glory will be seen on you. And nations will come to your light and to the kings to the brightness of your rising. That's all. But I love this, this phrase, arise. It, there, years ago, I was preaching in Austria, and I came across a German translation. And the, the term arise, it, it, this, were, this phrase in German, for any who speak German, Sylvie, this is dedicated to you if you're here. Steh auf und werde Licht means stand up and become light. And that, uh, what an what a interesting translation of arise, shine. Stand up and become light. So that's the word of the Lord to us. So I wanna talk about standing today. And uh, there, you know, we stand in awe. But here's, I wanna, today I wanna talk about standing in grace. And let's go to Romans 5. We won't give you the whole book of Romans, although I, I just, I don't know why. I would like to go through the whole book of Romans, and maybe we will. will. It just might take a long time. All right, Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2. Through him, we also have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, which causes something to happen. And we rejoice in hope. We exult in hope. That's New American Standard. We boast in hope of the glory of God. So there we are. We're gonna stand in grace. And so just, we'll go through this. It's not super hard, but it is super important. It's interesting, Paul says, therefore, and of course, I was taught as a young Christian, when you read therefore, you should say, what's that therefore? Because it's always referring to something that's already been laid out. And so, um, what's been laid out is chapters one, two, three, and four. And of course, Paul didn't write them in chapters. They were added for us. But in his, he starts out with, um, you know, chapter one, two, and halfway through chapter three is the hopeless condition of mankind outside of God. You know, everybody's guilty under, under the law, outside of the law. We need a lot of help. And then chapters three, last half of chapter three and chapter four is God's amazing gift of salvation, which is given to us. And so the therefore is referring to what Paul has just written. And Romans 4, we'll just do two verses here, Romans 4. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And so, that's such a great word, you know, that God deals with us according to promise, and the law is good and holy, and by virtue of the new birth, the law is now written on our heart. And the moral law of God, the law, Jesus is the end of the law as a means to righteousness, but the, 
the holy and good moral law is now written in our heart so that by nature we fulfill the law of the Lord. And it's summed up with this, love your neighbor as yourself. But it includes all of the, the, the standards of God that are, you know, the moral law is the transcript of God's character. It's good, and it leads us to Christ. So I just want to say that. Someday we'll back up and unpack that. But so, therefore, oops, <laughs> I got it behind myself. I went back. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world. Psalm 2, ask of me, and I'll give you the nations as your heritage. Did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Like, and we'll get into that. Here's verse 16 from Romans 4. That is why it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. I love, I love this is the English Standard Version. I love that translation, that the promise can rest on grace. <laughs> um, I think King James says it's according to faith, but it's like, so this is the basis of that we enter in by faith, which is our trust in his trustworthiness. It's sometimes when people say just believe, even, and Jesus said just believe, you know, but sometimes it feels like something we have to do, like, ah, ah, I'm trying, you know, do you believe? I'm trying, you know, and it's like, wait, you can't try to believe. You trust or you don't trust. And so if someone says, hey, I want you to sit on this ledge that's 3,000 feet above the floor of Yosemite Valley, this nice little rock ledge, and you're looking and it's this thick, and they say, just believe that it'll hold you up. It won't break. And you might say, uh, you can't try to believe. You either have to trust it and just go like, now you can be nervous while you're sitting there, but <laughs> you've still made a commitment like, I hope this works, you know. And so, but, but the promises of God depend, they rest on our faith that we say, God, it's true. And there was an old saying, you know, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And actually, if God said it, that settles it. It's like my belief in it is a benefit to me. <laughs> it doesn't stop that if God said it, it's done, you know. And so, but that becomes faith in the promises of God. So, okay, let's keep going that may rest in, on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring. And you are the offspring of Abraham, if you believe. So, that's the therefore. We're, we're in verse one, Romans five, verse one. Um, <laughs> the next verse, since we have been justified by faith. And I love this, we were actually singing about um, being justified this morning. It was. I, I love it, you know, how, how does this work out? So, and Paul talks a lot about being justified. When you've been justified, it mean, it's not something you try to do, it's something that has happened to you. It's we have been justified, perfect tense, means it's already happened. <laughs> and it's a reality that continues. So we've been justified by faith, by the trust we have. 
in the justification he's given. And so we're justified by faith, but we're, Paul uses this term quite a bit in, in uh, Romans 3.24, we're justified by his grace as a gift. <laughs> Freely justified by his grace. So we're justified. So what does justified mean? Justified means, doesn't mean that the court case against you has been thrown out. That's part of that it was canceled, but it means that you are seen as an entirely just person, a righteous person against whom there can be no accusation. See, if you've been justified, it's not just like, well, yeah, you know, I've been forgiven by grace. We have been, hallelujah. But when we're justified, we now stand in righteousness. <laughs> I mean, so if you're justified, it means you're, there's no accusation against you. There is now, therefore, no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus. Why? Because you're justified. Which you could just say, you're just. You are righteous. <laughs> this, anyway, it reminds me of a joke, but you have to know Spanish or you don't get it, so I won't say it. Okay. <laughs> I'll tell, I'll tell Edgar and Medeir and they can preach it this afternoon if they feel like it. Okay. But we've been justified by grace as a gift. Grace is God's, the joyful generosity of God's love. Best way to say grace. The grace is the, the it's a gift of capacity given to you that wasn't deserved of favor and of power to accomplish that for which you were created. So we've been justified by grace. Uh, chapter four, we're justified by his resurrection. He was raised for our justification. Chapter five, we're looking at this, we're justified by faith. It, it, chapter five, a little later in the chapter, we find out we're justified by his blood. I love this. You know, it, the life is in the blood and it's the, the life of God flowing through us that causes us to stand in this state of justification. And then ultimately we've been justified by God. Romans 8.33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. So our faith, we have faith because God elected us to justify us. He chose you to justify you. It's wild, isn't it? I mean, it's just wild. Like, if you're justified, there's a boldness that comes with being justified. It's, you know, just as if I'd never sinned. Like, you know, we say that with the emphasis on the sin, but God is saying it, no, you are justified just as if you were Jesus Christ. We become the righteousness of God. Now, I'm not Jesus Christ. You know, he's God and I'm not, but I've received his righteousness. Oh, help me, God. The, and so there is this thing that we stay located in it, which is our conscious devotion to him. And when we turn in desire of their things, he permits our will to go after our desires and we find ourselves outside of the experience of his justification. It doesn't cancel his justification. It's just that we're living in sort of this schizophrenic state that we've been declared just, and, but we're living like we're not. 
And so God is saying, come home, come home. <laughs> the mat, it's supper time. Come home and eat with me and be like me, be filled with me. And that's like a daily thing, be filled with, okay. Are you, are you all there? Okay, so we, oh man, so we're justified by faith. Isn't, isn't that amazing? Like, I'm justified and by faith, I access the gift of God just by trusting. Oh, it's a pretty good gift. Okay, then it goes on. This is all in ver verse one. <laughs> we have, therefore, <laughs> being justified by faith, since we have been, have been justified by faith, we have, present tense, continuous, Peace with God through Jesus Christ, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm gonna kind of unpack this backwards. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is amazing. Like, there's no, there is no religion on planet Earth. Right now is Ramadan, it, you know, for, for the almost two billion Muslims around the world, and they, they don't eat or drink all day, and then they eat and drink all night. And... Uh, the, it's not, but it's a season where a lot, of, a lot of Muslims, they believe that during this time, Allah doesn't impute their sins against them. And, and so they're happy and they feel like their prayers will be answered. And they're, they're engaged in this seeking of God. I mean, it's an amazing thing. And, and, and kind of like nominal Catholics might only go for mass once or twice a year, nominal Muslims might only observe Ramadan more or less, but it's still there in the culture to seek God. Now, we have access to God 24-7. See, it's not once a month, it's every moment of every day that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, I mean, there's nothing like this. It's why it's called good news, that Jesus Christ, God, the you know, the playwright got on the stage. The painter entered the painting, you know, however we want to describe it, that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is our ransom. He is our redeemer. And the redeemer is the one who pays the ransom, you know. So he's the redeemer who paid the ransom. He is the ransom that was paid. And on top of that, he said, I am the only way to the Father. You know, so it's like, so we've got this amazing gift given to us called peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at this. We have peace. We have peace. Now, this is something you might want to say to yourself if you're prone to anxiety, which is one of the, it's one of the common colds of mental health in our culture is anxiety and depression, these twin plagues that are on many, even on children. And actually, I mean, excess exposure to social media both ramps these up, but, but it, like, God has given us the gift of peace with him. Peace with God. I mean, it's like, like, do you know what it means when you're at peace with someone? It means it's all good. Every, like, there's an open communication I know everything about you, you know everything about me, and in spite of that, 
We love each other. This is, I mean, peace with God. Um, we have it. We have peace with God. It's our possession. It's our own. We can hold on to it. We can wear it. You know, like we can, we can go and say, I am just, I'm going to dress up in the peace of God today. <laughs> I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to wear, these are all meanings of this word we have. We can experience it. You know, we have it written on our lobby, experiencing the love of God and giving it away. Well, part of the love of God is peace with God. So I just, I commission you to experience peace with God all through the week, every place you go, when you go to work, say, I'm going to work, I'm going to the work in the peace I have with God, in the shalom I have with God. Like things that have been, that haven't been able to work out, they will work out. And though it seems long, he is faithful to his promises. You know, I'm going to have peace with God when I go home. And I'm, you know, I realize some people live or work in very challenging uh, situations and very challenging dynamics. And sometimes, you know, we're, we're yoked together with somebody who's an ornery something, you know, that I shouldn't say from the pulpit son of a something, but um, <laughs> like in the Bible, son of a perverse woman, you know, that's what, uh, that's what Saul called his son Jonathan when he was mad. Anyway, my dad called me something else, but the, uh, anyway, <laughs> the, but isn't that, like we may live with a difficult person, but our life doesn't, our life is supernatural. And so here is the overcoming in this world, we will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In me, I've spoken these things that in me, you might have peace or may have peace. You have permission to access the peace. And so what if your calling is to establish peace in your life that is so powerful that it overflows out of you into the dysfunctional situations around you so that Jesus, who's being crucified on the cross, can say, like, you know, I'm not sure how, when he said this exactly, but I think in, in the passion, it's while they're pounding spikes through his extremities, and he, and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's peace. As he can't, he can't even breathe, he's in excruciating pain, and one of the thieves is mocking him, the other one says, hey, remember me when you come in your kingdom, and he says, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's peace. God, establish your peace. Now, most of peace is great. You know, I'm giving extreme examples of manifesting peace under intense Duress, but peace, shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken. Every, we want it to be that way. And when we run into something broken, something missing, because we're in this world, don't freak out and say, well, I guess it wasn't true. No, realize, ah, oh, this is time for me to stand in the peace of God with my feet shod with the preparation of the good news of peace that I have peace with God. I'm going to wear it. I'm going to experience it. I'm going to hang on to it. It's mine. Okay. You're marked by his peace. Okay, we have peace with God. And I'll read this. Peace is both a state of reconciliation with God and a condition, the inner conviction that all is well. 
it is well with my soul. <laughs> when peace like a river attendeth my way or sorrows like sea billows roll. God teaches us to say, what shall we then say to these things? Say, it is well. Okay, peace is the blessing of which Christ by his sacrifice gave to the church. John 14, my peace I give, it, it's like, sort of like Yoda speak in John 14. It says, peace, my peace give I to you. It's like every, tra- it's like, No one actually talks that way, you know, but (laughs) unless you live in northwestern England or something like that. But but, but he gives us his peace. He has given it to you. I give you my peace. Not as the world gives, I give it to you. And then in John 16, which I already alluded to, John 16, 33, that I've spoken these things so that in me, that's where the peace is found, in me you may have peace. Thank you, Jesus. And by the way, the peace of God surpasses understanding. <laughs> right? Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God is not, you know, like this picture of, you know, this cloudless sky on a still lake and we're looking at the reflection and I'm thinking of, I grew up near Yosemite National Park and there's a lake there, I assume it's still there, that hasn't gone away through drought or something called Mirror Lake and you could sit at Mirror Lake and for some reason there was very seldom wind there early in the morning and you'd look in the lake and you'd see a perfect reflection of of Half Dome if you were facing the right direction. And it's very stunning. But the peace of God is not like everything's perfect, calm, and still, and you're just always in the beauty. You can come to that place. That's usually an internal state. But the peace of God is like there is a storm raging, and he's hiding you in the cleft of the rock. You know, and so Isaiah 26, you know, until all of this trouble passes over, I'll hide you. This is the peace. This is his peace. This, the peace of God is, is there's this huge storm raging and the mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings. So under her wings, the chicks don't feel the storm. And God is protecting you and protecting me. In this world, we have tribulation, but he protects us in his victory. Are you with me? Okay, so now we've, we've accomplished verse one. <laughs> Verse two, through him, and it's always through Jesus, he's the way, through him we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. So through him, he's the way. We've obtained access. It's free entrance has been permanently granted to you. Like this term access is something like you have to have permission. You can't just walk into, say, the White House or some, you know, where, and just walk into the president's office. You have to have access. You have, but God has granted you permanent access into his presence. Come on. And how do we get it? By faith, by trusting that it's true. He says, come boldly to the throne of grace, you know. So this, and, and then it says, we've been obtained access by faith into this grace 
in which we stand. So where's our access? Our access is into grace and we stand in grace. Having done all, we stand. And so what is this? And, and we rejoice or we hope in the, or we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Amazing. So God's grace, what is it? It's God's spontaneous, it's an overflow of his love and joy. Kara is the Greek word for joy. Charis is the, the word for grace. And it's grace that saves us, that delivers us, that sets us free out of the oppression and the fear that rules this present darkness. Grace is God's spontaneous, unmerited favor in action. See, grace is active in you. It's his freely bestowed loving kindness in operation. He has made a covenant with you and he is is abundantly rich in grace and mercy. He bestows salvation on guilt-laden sinners and it, the grace is, you know, in, Roman, in Revelation 4, there's a picture of the throne of God. And, it, and it's, it, there's thunderings and lightnings and sounds and it's scary. And all around that throne where he appears like all these jewels and, you know, it's like out of this world, there's a rainbow. And his grace is his rainbow promise that he's made covenant with you and it's a covenant of life that he's made for you. So I just wanna encourage you, you know, take advantage, you have access into this grace and then stand in the grace. And uh, it, you know, God is the judge who not only remits the penalty and cancels the guilt, but he adopts you as his child. Like, how would you like that? You're this hardened criminal. You come into the judge. You have been bad your whole life. You've done, you've got a rap sheet longer than your arm. Nobody likes you. And you come to the judge. And he says, I have a gift for you. Would you like to receive it? I'm not worthy. Well, you don't have to be worthy. I'm worthy. Would you like to receive it? I guess I would. So once you receive that gift, every charge against you is canceled. Your rap sheet is erased. And not only that, but God, before you leave the courtroom, he says, there's one more thing I want to do. I want to officially adopt you as my son or my daughter. And now everything I have belongs to you. Will you receive my grace? (laughs) I want to make you an heir of the world. God who graciously gave us his only son, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Jesus. Okay, you wanna stand in grace? Here's what standing in grace does. You can stand up, by the way, right now because we're, we're coming in for a landing and the band's gonna come up here, so. But here's, so when we stand in grace, there's a certain kind of shining that we do. And it's found here at the very end of verse two. And we rejoice. New American Standard says, we exult in the hope of the glory of God. You could translate it, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. There's something inside you when you've you've been possessed by grace that that you just, you kind of drive people crazy because you're happy and you won't shut up. 
And you just, like, why are you happy? Don't you know how terrible it is? <laughs> yes, but I, I have a confident expectation of the glory of God, that the glory of God has not only filled my life, but the glory of God will cover this planet as the waters cover the sea. And the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. And I'm just here shining like a little candle in the midst of a great big dark cave. And I'm rejoicing in the hope the confident expectation. I'm overflowing with hope, I can't help it. It's what grace does. Grace, when you've received grace, he's canceled every excuse we have to be depressed and anxious. And God, we say this in all kindness to those who struggle with it because these are real struggles in this present world. But I wanna declare to you that you were destined by God to overcome this world, that you're not a, you're not a victim, you're a victor. You haven't been robbed, you've been challenged, and now the Lord is saying, go back and get what was stolen from you. Go back by grace, walk in grace, cover yourself with the armor of God, act in love. It's not about you, it's about the glory of God filling the earth. So whether you live or whether you die, you do it all to the glory of God. It's like, God, I am living for you with every breath. I am walking in justification, it's been given to me, like there is no case against you, I can guarantee that. You may be condemning yourself, there may be demons around whispering how what a rotten person you are, but inside the Holy Spirit is saying, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine, you're justified, you're sanctified. Before, before this world began, I foreknew you. Your name was written in the Lamb's book of life before the foundation of the world. Come on. And I know what's going on. Jesus, Jesus. So I think we should just have a little, I know it's hard and I don't like it either. You know, when the guy up at the pulpit says, okay, now I want everybody to shout. You know, it's okay. If you feel like shouting, this is a good time to shout. So we're gonna shout on the count of three. And here's what I feel like, we just need to know this, that in catastrophes, and calamities, yet in God, our lives resiliently unfold as a message of hope, and it's indelibly written by grace. I wrote these down because I don't say them so good if I don't read them. Our Father, our Father engineers blessings out of blunders. You might think, well, you know, you don't know how bad I messed up. Oh, come on. Peter messed up as bad or worse than you. The apostle Paul killed people and dragged them away to imprison them. And then God sent him back to preach to the same people whose families he had destroyed. If he was hanging her out in his blunders, he would have never walked into his blessings. He get, and our God, our Father knows how to bring forth gladness out of sadness. Do you know this? He, he's like this master photographer. He takes our lives into his dark room where the negatives become positives. He is a situation reversal expert. That's why we glory in the hope, why, why we boast in the hope of the glory of God. 
As soon as God shows up, everything that was against us gets flipped around and it's now for us. Thank you, Jesus. That's why we can count it all joy. We'll get there sometime. But I mean, his promises that he causes all things to work together for good. These are ironclad, unfailing, all-encompassing, no exception promises. Every tragedy, trial, teardrop, burden, problem, bad day, he can turn into good. Jesus, it's always available. It's not a platitude, it's a promise. Jesus. Now, with all that being said, let's count to three. And if you feel like it, you can just shout hallelujah or thank you, Jesus, or God, I want more. Oh, continue your loving kindness. <laughs> Expand it, increase it. That's my warfare. On the count of three, one, two, three. Thank you, Jesus! So for all this to happen, we just need the Holy Spirit to come and fill us. So we're gonna sing a prayer right now. You guys go ahead and lead us. You are all we want. God, in the midst of everything we face, Continue, expand, spread out your covenant love, your mercy, your steadfast love upon us. Give us, Holy Spirit, empower us to be witnesses to the goodness of God. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, fill us up, God. Jesus, I've often prayed this, that may the God of hope fill you with all peace and joy in believing as you trust him, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you overflow, you shine with hope. The next verse says, I myself am convinced, brethren, that you yourselves are full, <laughs> full beyond expectation of goodness, complete in knowledge and competent, powerful to instruct. That's all by the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we need you. We pray you would fill us. I wanna, I'm gonna release you. I think you just need to go out and shine, but I, I just want to tell you if you want prayer, there's always healing here. There's always breakthrough here if you want to come up. If you, if you say, you know, I've never been justified by faith, I want you to come up. Some need peace with God, some struggle with feeling free access. The rest of you just bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you be gracious to you. 
turn his face toward you, give you peace as you bear his name into the world. Amen, amen. God bless you. Have the best week ever. Ha, ha, ha.